0: Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Advocate Hemingway. Today we are talking about Madame de Servigny. I feel like I just completely said that wrong. Madame de Servigny. It's kind of fun to say. Say it five times fast. And Claudine is going to teach us all about another fascinating woman in French history. So I'll let her take it from here.
1: This one is actually one that people probably have heard her name before, or they've at least come across it. Uh, Madame de Sévigné, you were very close. Uh, she was born in 1626 in Paris, and where she was born is pretty awesome. Um, she was the daughter of uh, um, Céleste Bénier de Robin, who was the Baron de Chantal, mm-hmm. and Madame de uh, Coulon. She was born in the Palais Royal.
0: I mean, that's a pretty great place to be born.
1: Yes. In the um, Hotel uh, Coulon, which was where her grand, it was her grandparents' uh, home, but in the Palais Royal, Fancy. Which is awesome. Um, her father was killed um, when she was just a year old in the siege of La Rochelle in 1627. And her mother died when she was just seven years old. Oh, she was an orphan. So she was an orphan. She was raised by her grandparents there in the Palais Royal, and eventually her uncle, who um, kind of helped take over when her when the grandparents got too old, um, they took over, uh, and he taught her Latin, Spanish, and Italian. That's
0: pretty cool, Uncle.
1: Yeah. And so he like basically is really, you know, really involved in her education, which at that time, as we know in the past, I mean, she was born in 1626. Educating women and girls was not a priority.
0: No. Oh my goodness. And it's amazing. He spoke all those languages.
1: Yeah. Cause you had a choice then you could be basically a nun or a wife. <laughs> yeah. Go to the convent or make a baby. Yeah. That's about it. Um, but her other, uh, her other grandmother, um, um was actually had founded a convent in in france and was later canonized in 1767 by clement the uh, 13th yikes and was recommended by Anne uh, Um being canonized is not that's not a bad thing that means she's a saint <laughs> i
0: was like canonized what are they doing to her
1: Uh, Yes, she became, uh, she was actually became, um, named a saint in 1644 at 18, um, Madame de Sevigny, actually, this is how she got her name. Um, she was originally born Marie de Rabouton-Chantal, um, but she married at 18 years old. She married, um, Henri de Sevigny, um, in the Eglise Saint-Gervais, um, is just that church just across in the Hotel de Ville. Oh, and then beautiful church.
0: It is a very pretty church. Did you do that on your tours yet?
1: Um, We haven't gone into that one yet. Need to do it. We're definitely it's on the list, um, but it's one another one of those churches. Not you won't find many people inside of. Uh, but they had two kids. They had Francoise in sixteen forty six and Charles in sixteen forty eight. And then their relationship changed. She no longer wanted to sleep with him, and so he was quite the man about town. And he was sleeping with um, many women, including Ninon, who we did a podcast I don't know. episode about. <laughs> And Ninon Nina, Nina would also um, later call count uh, her son as another lover too. What? <laughs> yeah, so she slept with the father and then later the son. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and if I remember the Ninon story, she basically had a that she had like a rule, like that I think it was three months. The relationships never she would not sleep with any of them for more than three months, and the three month window they were like pushed out. <laughs> that was the end of their relationship. Moving on to the sun. Yeah. M- next one. Uh, but his philandering led to his death when a duel with Francois Amignon, who was um, was uh, set because of over a woman. And um, this was a another one of his mistresses, Madame de Gondron. And they he was killed in the duel. Well, that's sad. Yeah. So now at 25 years old, Madame de Sevigny was a widow. Um, But at that time, it was kind of actually a stroke of luck for her because at the time, you know, women, when they were married, there were so few things that they could do. But actually, widowed women actually had a little bit more um, freedom, freedom to do things. Um, You know, even that's how the uh, uh, Madame uh, Tlicquot When her husband died, the only reason she was able to take over the company was because she was a widow.
0: That is right. Yeah. So it was a good thing that her husband who was sleeping around and not very nice. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it was killed in a duel. No problem. And duels, like, I I mean, for us, like, all I could ever imagine is, like, the duel scenes in old movies, you know, where they walk 10 paces and turn around (laughs) and shoot. I don't think they were using guns. They were, was it swords? How'd they kill each other? I don't know. Probably, yeah, it was probably swords or, I don't know. Maybe they just wrestled. (laughs) (laughs) Finger, thumb wrestle. (laughs) Yeah, they were thumb wrestling. Um, But, you know, it was a good, good, good kind of stroke of luck for her um, when she, she had many suitors that wanted to be with her, but she decided to never remarry. She began to write letters, um, sending letters to her friends and family. Um, And at the time, you know, women couldn't even hold creative jobs. Like they couldn't be published under their name. They couldn't do, you know, at that time, you know, barely they could be paint, even artists and painters because, Mm -hmm. You know, it was just so, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't learn, you know, they couldn't go to ateliers, they couldn't do anything. Um, So a lot of women at that time, even into the, you know, 1920s, women had to publish under a man's name a lot of the time.
0: Even the 1920s. It's so amazing how far we've come in such a short time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a hundred, that's only a hundred years ago.
0: Yeah, that you had, you weren't even allowed to publish under your name as a woman. Like, that's insane.
1: Yeah, like Zelda. Yeah. 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 So um, her daughter, um, Francoise, married in 1669 to the Comte de Grignan, um, which uh, he was older. He'd been married twice, and both of his wives died. Bad luck. And of course, you know, we would look at that. Did they die mysteriously?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if it was lucky for him for the women to die. It sounds like a more winning for the man to die.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Um, But uh, she, you know, her mother was incredibly sad because they ended up moving down to Provence to live in the Chateau de Grignan, which is was in his family. Um, but prior to moving, they actually all lived together in Palais Royal, Um, and they also lived in another, even more awesome place coming up here. Um, but, uh, in February 6th, 1671, um, Madame de Sevigny sent her first letter to her daughter. Um, and we know that because they were saved and they have it, you know, the dated letter. Um, she would, um, send three to four letters a week down to her um, and resulting over well over a thousand letters until she died.
0: A thousand letters. Wow. That was like texting back in the day. Exactly. Could you imagine
1: waiting for that reply? <laughs> <laughs> <Are> you up? <laughs> I know. There's no, like, there's no little bubble pop that shows their typing. Uh, but this Red. is how, this is the, this is basically how we know her because she was a, a lady of letters and um, her letters were, you know, basically something that, you know, People didn't. These weren't the way people wrote letters back then or definitely not now. Mm -hmm. Um, But her letters became basically they were observation of her day, her life and her friends. But she got to do some pretty cool things and the way she wrote. Her letters were just, you know, basically like writing a novel. Um, Francoise would actually read them out loud. And once um, uh, her mother realized that she was reading them out loud, she was actually would write them, uh, keeping that in mind, basically cre- creating a performance piece with each letter. That's so fun. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Um, she was a bit of a spitfire and um, hated monotony and boredom. So she would change the subject in it. Like if she was going on too long, she'd be like, well, enough about that. And then, you know, go on to the next subject with it. <laughs> It was pretty cool, but, um, yeah. he, it, it, they became more and more popular. People actually would attend, um, a, attend the reading of these letters. People would actually hand copy them and pass them around. No way. That's fascinating. Yeah. She's basically writing plays. Yeah. And so they documented the affairs of the time. Um, she actually, um, this, and this goes back to another podcast that we did. Um, she actually attended the executions, of the Marquise de Brinvilliers and Catherine Molvasson, who were involved in the poison affair. Interesting. So it's, it's all, all connected. connected. Yeah, it's all connected that we talked about with Madame de Montespan, who you went to Catherine uh, Montvassant and basically created that poison that she poisoned Louis the Fourteenth with for like fifteen years. <laughs> for like fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, like this whole thing, you know, took over Paris at the time. It was like the huge thing um, that everybody was talking about. And these women were executed. So she was there. So she wrote about that in her letters. She was also um, at the trial for her friend, um, Nicolas Fouquet. And Nicolas Fouquet, of course, is the gentleman behind Volley the chateau, who was a uh, he had was working under Louis the Fourteenth, and he built this beautiful, amazing um, chateau outside of Paris, and had a big party and invited Louis the Fourteenth. And Louis the Fourteenth was so bothered with how you know amazing it was, he figured N- Nicholas had to have been stealing from him, <laughs> and so he had him arrested and thrown into jail. And then Louis the Fourteenth took all of his artists, um, Charles LeBron, Louis Laveau, and, um, Andre, Denot, note who is basically, he took all these guys and started building Versailles. Could
0: you imagine if you just built this amazing castle and then you get thrown in jail for the rest of your life?
1: Yeah. You invite the boss over and <laughs> That's so crap. Like that stinks. <laughs> yeah. But so she was there, she was friends with him. And so she was there at his trial. It's probably the only thing that we have that has the details of what happened at that trial. Um, and then after he was in prison, because at that time too, it's like, you're going to trial. Like, you're not going to win. You're not going to uh, get off. You're wow. you know, the Louis, the 14th wants you, you know, in prison. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. It was just a formality. So she, he gets carted off to prison and she kept sending him letters Um, she was worried because they would get intercepted and sent to the King. And so she was worried that her little bit of her sassy tone would get her in trouble. But Louis XIV was actually fascinated by them and asked her to come to visit him at Versailles. Interesting. Yeah. So she would come and this was, you know, before her daughter moved away, but she would go visit, um, go to Versailles, go to court and, and bring her daughter there. Um, she was often in attendance there and she was um, heavily favored because they think that Louis probably had eyes on her daughter as well. Mm-hmm. of course yeah. um, but on one occasion they were actually ended up attending the one of the biggest events in the history of Versailles and I had never heard about this event until now and it is called the pleasures of the enchanted island what is that about I know it was the first major event held there in the gardens um from May 7th to the 13th in 1664 the party was dedicated to his mother, and d'Autriche, but really um, it was dedicated to his mistress, Louis de, de la Valliere.
0: I like that he involved his mother... <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I know. This enchanted garden situation. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're gonna just say this is to my mom, but really, <laughs> <laughs> an orgy in the garden. <laughs> yeah, but the theme was um Alcine and Roger, and it involved Moliere and uh, Lully, who was the who was the serpent, sup, superintendent of music for Louis the Fourteenth. oh okay. Is, that's a job. Like that's just crazy. Like there was somebody that was just in charge of the music for him. Um, <laughs> In the, in the story, Alcine was a seductress who bewitched um, the soldiers. Then she trapped him on her enchanted Island. It was one of the soldiers who was jailed and then became her lover. Um, Moliere was only given a few weeks to actually put this all together from the time they announced they were going to do this. So he worked with Loli, the, the and poet uh, Philippe, Quignon and La Notre, the the garden designer, to design the play to basically impress the king and the court. No pressure. Yeah, impress him and on the you know on the enchanted island. <laughs> um, Louis the Fourteenth actually took part in the play. He played the role of Roger, um, and he was dressed in this big this red velvet um, costume, and he rode in on a horse that was covered with um, uh, golden reins and jewels. <laughs> Uh, uh, he's a drag queen basically. Yeah, basically. He was followed by a parade of soldiers and they went to the Bassin d'Apollon and um a golden chariot of Apollo that was twenty four feet long followed them. What? <laughs> yeah this is so extra and you could just imagine i mean i could picture the whole thing in my mind because you just know who louis the 14th was and what <laughs> versailles looks like it's so easily like okay yeah i could totally see that happening <laughs> that's
0: normal that's normal <laughs> uh,
1: they went on for day seven days on the seventh day the uh, was a premiere of moliere's um tartuffe which is one of his most famous plays um Everybody, uh, everybody in Paris, uh, wanted to be there. And, uh, of course, you know, Madame de Sévigné was there for the first night to see it mm. uh, and wrote about it in her letters. So that's how we know about it, that's how we know. Um, But at the time, you know, she became very popular in Paris society. She attended many of the salons, including Ninon's salon, you know, who, of course, would, you know, had slept with her husband and her son. (laughs) Yeah, she married. She met um, Madame de Lafayette at one of the salons and they became very close friends. Um, Madame Lafayette was also a writer and she published a um, pamphlet called the princess of Cleves. And she actually had to write that under a, um, a, basically a nom de plume as well, a a different name.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Lafayette's stepfather was actually the uncle of her, of uh, Madame de Sevenier's husband.
0: It's all related. Yeah, it's all related.
1: Um, but in 1677, she moved into the Hotel uh, de Linray, Lin- Lin- which is now the Carnivale. Oh, the Carnavalet. Yes. The, the, now it is the Musée Carnavalet and I'm so incredibly excited that after four long years, um, it is just now reopened in Paris. It's the oldest uh, museum in Paris and it is free to go and visit. And so I cannot wait to go probably the day that my plane lands. <laughs> I didn't know it was the oldest in Paris. Yeah. And so she actually lived there until her death. The street outside of it is named after her. I had
0: no idea. It is a really cool museum. I didn't know it had been closed so long.
1: Yeah, it, well, it was supposed to reopen last year, but then with COVID, it closed in 2016. I remember going and seeing it, um, actually, I think it was just like a week or two before it closed. Um, and at that point, like, you know, two thirds of it was already closed off. So what I did Mm -hmm. see wasn't very much. So I am really excited. It's the history of Paris is in that museum and you could go and see, you know, there's old signs um, from businesses and um, there's just like whole rooms that they basically had taken um, and rebuilt there. A lot of her own things are there. There's a painting of her um, and there is um, some of her furniture there as well.
0: I like the Art Nouveau section. They put like the Metro and all the cool uh, stuff in that room.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. It's basically two different um, hotel particulars that they brought together, pushed together to become the Museum of And she lived in one of those. Interesting. And she died there. She died there. She spent the final decade of her life there, uh, but she also traveled between Brittany, um, where they she had a place there because of um, that had been in her husband's family in Paris, of course, and then down at Grignon, which is the chateau where her daughter um, was. She died on April 17, 1696, at 70 years old, possibly of pneumonia. Hmm, well she lived a very long time for a woman yeah she there. definitely lived. she um is buried down in Grignon at the um uh at the church there that's um near the chateau um after her death her granddaughter actually um had had all these letters and um decided to publish them they went it was printed in three different editions because the first ever, there was something wrong with each edition and they just had to reprint them again um Pauline her granddaughter um also uh, with uh, the help of Françoise in her later years they worked to publish um tw- and that was just for 28 of the letters.
0: Mm, there's so many of them.
1: Yeah, so there was only 28. The editors um the editions were printed um so badly they had to keep trying to redo them. Um during that time Pauline found a new publisher. Um, that would actually edit the letters, removing pieces that they thought were too scandalous for the time. And then they destroyed the originals. What? That's yeah. crap. Which is, it, which is heartbreaking. Um, yeah. A newer edition in 1734 um, was uh, printed and that included 600 of her letters. Wow. And this time they were all put in there in chronological order, something that the first editions did not do. Um, after the printing, um, Pauline had you know, destroyed the originals. Um, but after her death um, in 1737, more letters were published. Um, again, in 1754, 722 of them. That was the majority of the letters that remained that she had written to her daughter. Hmm. Have you read them? I actually was able, like you could find it on Kindle and download it. It's better to have it in the French version, um, mm-hmm. but you could easily find it. I and mean, it was on Kindle for like, you know, a few dollars, like $2 or something. But I'll I'll put a link to it, um, what I found on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1873, a professor was in Dijon in a small little antique shop and found 320 more of the letters.
0: What? Um,
1: that She had written to her daughter. Um, these were most likely copies that people just hand copied you know, to pass around. And so some of the original letters were then discovered um, with the parts that the editors at first had taken out. So he must be rich now. Yeah. Well, they weren't published until 1953. What? Yeah, I... today, 1100 uh, eleven hundred letters are actually published. Um, many of which of course, you know, capture the time, um, that was, you know, basically of her life and different things that she had seen. Um, and uh, most of those, a lot of those originals were um, destroyed. But thankfully to that gentleman that found them in the shop, um, they're saved. You can actually see some of the original letters at the A.
0: That's cool. I don't think I even would have known what they were, but now I'll look for them.
1: Now you look for them. There's that, the painting I mentioned earlier is by Claude de Um, she's dressed in her morning clothes. Um, and then, uh, of course there's a few pieces of her furniture as well as, um, her letters. You can see some of the letters. I can't wait to go visit. I know I'm dying. I can't wait. I've seen pictures of the inside. Um, it it had opened on May 29th. Um, you, it is free, but if you're going to be in Paris this summer, I, for pretty much everything you're, you you want to go see in a museum, I would highly recommend going online, um, and making sure you, you have a ticket, even though it's a free museum, you are most likely through the summer going to need to have tickets just so they could control the amount of people coming in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Cause it might be crazy.
1: Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it dying.
0: well it won't be long now you'll be here
1: yep it's very soon
0: Well, thank you so much, Claudine, for all that fascinating history. And now you guys can follow along the footsteps of these women in these museums, in these houses. You know, it's kind of fun to revisit history. It's much more interesting when you actually know what you're looking at. So thanks to Claudine for that. And don't forget to join her virtual tours every Sunday. She goes live on Zoom, tells you the history as we walk live around Paris with you. You can ask questions and please go over to her website, ClaudineHemingway.com.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Paris History of A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris or it's lots of fun facts and then also at ClaudineHemingway.com where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.